All right, let's go. Good to vach. Chavches from the Aleph twenty-eight. We're up to the two dots, ten lines from the top of the pitch, and the Gemara is picking up from the Machloek as we learned previously. The opinion of Rabbi Yehuda and the Mishnah, which was that the only way to get rid of your chametz is with shreifa, with burning. The Chachamim argue, and the Chachamim say, no, you don't need to burn it. What are their words? They say mefarer v'zayre. All you got to do is break up the chametz, you crumble it up, v'zayre, and throw it away, scatter it away. Now, before we start the Gemara, the question that we need to think about is why? Why do they say, you know, the, the Avera in the Torah is balye ra'eu ba'yimatze, meaning you're not allowed to own the chametz. Why do I got to break up the chametz? For the chametz, say, throw it away, b'seder. Why are they saying mefarer? Make it smaller pieces. What do you gain by that? That's going to be the Gemara's discussion. Zakta Gemara, Iboyilahu, they asked a Shaila. Hechi ka'amar. What's up with this? In context, the translation is what's up with this psak of breaking it down before you scatter it? Doesn't mean for whatever reason, due to Balyera and Balyemotze, it needs to be broken down no matter where you are scattering it, whether you're scattering it on dry land, whether you're scattering it in the ocean, doesn't matter, you always need to break it down, or maybe maybe the only time you need to break down your chametz before you throw it away is when you're doing it on dry land because we want to make sure not only do I not own the chametz, but nobody else comes across this chametz and eats it. But maybe I could be able to take a whole loaf of bread and throw it into the ocean because nobody is going to possibly eat it, right? If I throw a loaf of bread into the ocean, nobody's using that. So that's the Gemara Shiloh. This that the Chachamim say, you need to break it down before you scatter it, is the reason because of a potential Michshel, a potential Avera. And if that's the whole reason, I would not need to break it down if I'm throwing it into the ocean because there's no potential Avera. Or is it like a separate halacha that for whatever reason you just need to break down the chametz? Says the Gemara. This Shaila that we're asking about chametz happens to be the same Shaila by Avedizara. We know that the same way you're not allowed to eat or benefit from chametz, you're not allowed to eat or benefit from avaydazara. So if you have an avaydazara, it needs to be crushed up. You grind it up and you get rid of it. So the same shaila about the obligation to grind that we're having by chametz is going to be the same shaila by an avaydazara. And the Gemara is going to explain utna nami gabi avaydazara ki gavna. Similarly, we learned that we had the shaila by an avaydazara. Rabbi Yisim Ravasi says sheichik vizara leruach imateliyam. You have to break down the avaydazara and scatter it into dry land, into the regular wind, or out into the ocean. When they asked the question on Rabbi Yaisi, Hechi Kamar, where is this true? Doesn't mean always. It needs to be, you know, broken down. No matter where you end up throwing it into. Maybe I could throw it fully into the ocean, and I don't need to break it down. All right? So the same Shaila about the uh, the need to break down of a Zara is the Shaila we're asking now 
when it comes to the Chachamim's opinion of Chametz. So let's try to answer these questions. Amar Rabbah, Rabbah says, we're going to have two answers here, right? Rabbah is going to be of the opinion that Mistavra, it makes sense, that the, you're going to be obligated to throw your Avaidazara into the Yam Hamelech, like we learned previously, that people don't go down into the Yam Hamelech. Once it's down there, it's down there. And therefore, there's no need to break it down. There's no sailors that are going to possibly be going by that are going to find this Avaidazara and they may come to use it someday. If you throw it into the Amalek, it's, it's gone. And Mamela says, Rabbi, you don't need to break it down. So, But that is specific to the Amalek. Chomets, however, that you're throwing into a general uh, body of water. So, here's the problem. I might throw my cookies, my, uh, my bread, my chametz, any chametz that's there, which we'll get into, maybe, and a sailor is going to drive, uh, going to come uh, floating by, and maybe he'll eat, he's going to be in the mood for a soggy cookie, and he might come to eat it. Okay, now we're going to see soon that this example of a soggy cookie is not the best example, right? Because we're all going to say, not only will it be a soggy cookie, it's not going to last. So the Gemara soon is going to let us know that there's perhaps there's going to be enough gemina in halacha what type of chametz it is. If it's a loaf of bread, nobody's eating a loaf of bread out of the ocean. But what about if I have like a roasted wheat kernel? It's chametz, but it ain't. It's not necessarily going to be ruined in a short amount of time, right? It's it's got a hardened shell. So we're, we're, the Gemara is going to t- touch on this. Bottom line is for right now we ask the Shaila. Do I need to break it down when I throw it into the water? Rabbah says, by Avaidazara, no, you could just throw it into the Amamelech. Um, and by bread as well. Um, you, uh, I'm sorry, by bread, however, you do need to break it down by a general body of water. Otherwise, somebody may come by. That's Rabbah's opinion. Amr le Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef is going to argue on Rabbah. Rabbi Yosef says, no. Adra Bibcha Mistavr says to Rabbah, I have an opposite logic of a dezara, delay mimisa, of a dezara. What's an of a dezara? Very often, very often, it's a getchke. It's this little statue. Does the water ruin it? Does the water necessarily ruin of a dezara? No. Therefore, boy, shchika. Of a dezara specifically, you should need to grind up. It's not getting soggy and gross and whatever when it's thrown into the water. So no matter where you put it, get just grind it down. Chametz demimis, chametz a loaf of bread. You throw it into the ocean. My boy, peer. You don't need to break it down. Okay. Now let's get into the nitty gritty. Tanik of us the rabba. Tanik of us the We're going to have a brisa proving rabba and a brisa proving Rabbi Yosef. And I think based upon our discussion so far, we already know the answers. How so? Tanik of us the rabba. We have a brisa proving rabba who says that of a dezara, um, you could put into the amhamelech. But chametz, you need to break down. What's the price like him? If you're traveling out in the desert, then you got to crumble it up. If you're on a boat, you even need to crumble it when you're going into the yam, when you're going into the sea. 
So you see, you need to break down Chametz. It's a good raya to Rabbah. And Tanikavasi to Rabbi Yosef. If a price of like Rabbi Yosef, if you're going in the midbar, you grind it on land. If you're going on a boat, you have to grind it down and throw it into the ocean. So you see, even Avay Dezara needs to be broken down. Okay. Now, let me explain something. Usually when we bring a raya to each side, we're happy. We're not happy yet. Why? Because Rabbah has a, granted he's got part of a brisa supporting him, but he has a brisa also not supporting him. And Rabbi Yosef has part of a brisa supporting him, such as uh, the Chiyav to grind down in Abay Dezara, but he doesn't have the other side supporting him. So, Shchik Akashi Rabbah, Pir Akashi Rabbi Yosef, each Bryce is going to have a question on Rabba or Rabbi Yosef. See, here's where the Gemara is giving us clarity. In this step right now, says the Gemara as follows. This that we say in the Bryce, that the Chomets must be broken down, it's not a question. When did we say that you don't need to grind down the Abay Dezara? Well, you don't have Melech. But the Brysa, which says you do need to grind down Abay Dazar, that's talking about a regular river. Because a sailor might find it. And Mamela, everyone will be in the, of the opinion that in a regular river, you need to grind it down. There's no kasha on Rabbah. No kasha. Aye, there's a Brysa that says you don't need to. You don't need to anything on the Yamamelech. Otherwise, you do. Pure, there are like kasha. What about the Brysa? That says you need to break down your chametz. Rabbi Yosef says you don't because you're gonna get ruined anyway. Says the Gemara, what we explained earlier. What are you finding out in the water? A roasted kernel. It's not a problem. So if I'm trying to dispose of roasted kernels, Tendler has to get rid of roasted kernels on Erev Pesach. And on my way of disposing it is by throwing it into the ocean. If I throw roasted wheat kernels, that's a problem. If I throw a whole loaf of bread, that's not a problem because nobody's going to have soggy bread. There's no, there's no chance. You, know, you don't need to be nervous about a sailor coming along and uh, or a, a guy surfing and uh, all of a sudden, you know, uh, seeing a geshmaka loaf of bread. But if he sees things that are roasted and and uh, can can spend time in water, protected and won't necessarily break down, that taka may be an issue, and therefore. Um, when do I need to break down the chametz? If it's roasted and won't be ruined in the water, if it won't become mius, it won't become disgusting in the water. But in a chanami, any chametz that will get ruined once it's out in the water, the chachamu will be in agreement. You do not need to break it down first. You could take your whole loaf of bread and throw it out into the ocean. Period. End of our explanation on the Rabbanan Shita. Okay. So again, I mean, each one, I mean, the, the, the ikr of the Mishnah is, how do you get rid of your chametz? Rebuta says it must be burnt. The cham paskin, however you want to, okay? But there's a catch. If you're going to get rid of it, not by burning, you got to make sure there's no chance someone might end up with it. Okay. Fine. Brand new Mishnah. Brand new discussion. Let's talk for a moment. Just to get into our heads. So far we've learned that 
There's a time on Erev Pesach that it's forbidden to eat your chametz. We had a machlekas when that time starts. There's a time on Erev Pesach when it becomes forbidden to benefit from the chametz. There's a machlekas when that time starts. Everybody that we know so far is in agreement that once you hit chatzos on Erev Pesach, then midoraisa, you're not allowed to eat chametz anymore. That was an agreement. We didn't have machlekas about it. Ach, by Yom Harishon, but on the day prior to Pesach, got, that day got split up, and by Chatzos, midday on Erev Pesach, it is no longer allowed to eat chametz. A few things for us to consider. What about benefiting from chametz? I know I'm not allowed to benefit from chametz on Pesach. Am I not allowed to benefit from chametz prior to Pesach during that half a day? That's one thing to think about. Another thing to think about is as follows. This that I can't eat chametz on Erev Pesach. Am I chayv kares if I do? Is it just as bad as if I eat chametz on Pesach? What would you say? On Pesach, if a person eats chametz b'mezid, you're chayev karis. So chayev karis. I purposely ate chametz. I don't care. I'm eating chametz. Chayev karis. What if I do that in the half a day prior to Pesach? We know it's usher. The first day you gotta get rid of it. I know I'm not allowed to, but am I chayev karis if I eat chametz then? That's another thing to think about. Okay. Next. What if I don't get rid of my chametz on Pesach? I don't burn it. I don't destroy it. I keep my chametz. That is now known as chametz she'avar alav ha-Pesach. That is chametz that Pesach has, that's gone through a forbidden period on Pesach. And the chachamim, the rabbis make a decree. We're going to assume right now, the Gemara is going to discuss this more at length. That's going to be the sugyu we're getting into. What is this chametz considered now? Chametz over Pesach. So it's after Pesach. I, I didn't get rid of my chametz. And now I eat it. Is it like I'm eating chametz on Pesach? Is it like the same iser as if I would have eaten chametz on Erev Pesach, is it a whole new thing called chametz she'avar lava Pesach? A whole new category of halacha? How does all this work? What's the breakdown of this? Okay? We're not, we're not talking about chametz that we sold. Correct, because chametz that I sold was not owned by a Jew on Pesach. This mission is going to let us know that as long as it's owned by a guy, it's okay. But, but correct, Absolutely. If chametz is owned by a, a yid, then we're going to have an issue, as we're going to learn. Chametz that's sold to a non-Jew, that's not considered chametz that passed over Pesach. But this Mishnah is going to get into uh, this uh, this back and forth, and the sources, and the, actually an, an interesting um, three-way machleka. So let's go. Says the Mishnah towards the bottom of 28, If a guy owned chametz over Pesach, now, 
a guy has no transgression of Balira Balimatza. A guy is allowed to eat chametz on Pesach. So if a guy owned chametz on Pesach, mutter bahana. Very interesting. Notice the word. A yid is allowed to benefit. Why doesn't it say mutter bahachila? It says I'm allowed to benefit. It seems schnooks is not Jewish. So if they own chametz over Pesach, I'm allowed to benefit. I can't eat from the chametz they had on Pesach. The Gemara is going to address this. Why the Mishnah only says mutter bahana? Why shouldn't you say, the Mishnah should have said it's mutter bahila, and I know if I could eat it, I'm certainly allowed to benefit from it in other ways. Okay. Vishel Yisrael. But what about if the chametz was owned by a yid over Pesach? Asr bana. It's Asr bana. Not only can I not eat chametz that was left over Pesach and owned by a yid, it is even forbidden to benefit from any chametz that's left over and owned by a yid. Shenamar, as it says, any leaven should not be left over by you. Rashi explains that this is coming from a kenas that the Chachamim add to this, that if a person does leave over his Chachamim because he's scared of it being a loss of money, we, we say that it's Asr Ba'ana, even to make sure that a person doesn't uh, get a Yitzhahara. Oh, okay, I won't eat, I'm not going to be Chayv Karis. Anyway, no, you have no financial gain by keeping this over Pesach. If you keep it over Pesach, it's going to be forbidden forever to benefit from it, which for us, as from Yidin, leads to some fascinating shilas after Pesach, depending on where you live. What store you let it buy from, certainly it leads to tremendous questions when it comes to schnapps and whiskey, right? When it comes to schnapps, which ages for years and years and years. If you have a schnapps company that's owned by a Yid, you can't buy from there. You can't buy it, because if the guy wasn't religious, if he wasn't observant, we'll say, and he doesn't sell his chametz on Pesach, and you have an aged uh, uh, whiskey for uh, 12 years, 16 years, 28 years, right? And uh, it was owned by a Yid throughout the entire time. It certainly passed over Pesach. We're going to have a problem. It's going to be Asr Banoi. You're not allowed to benefit from it. Okay. Says the Gemara Azoi. Mani Masnison, who is the author of our Mishnah, says the Gemara, I'll tell you who it's not, like a good Jew. Says the Gemara, before I tell you who it is, I'll tell you who it's not. Loi Rabbi Yehuda, it's not the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Veloi Rabbi Shimon, it's not the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Veloi Rabbi Yisrael it's also not the opinion of Rabbi Yisrael Okay, now who is Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Yisrael Says the Gemara, I'll tell you who they are, and I'll show you why they can't be the author of our Mishnah, Mahi. Did Tanya, we learned in our Brisa, Chometz, when you have Chometz, Bein Lefnei Zmanai, Bein Lachas Whether you have Chometz, on Erev Pesach, that's already after Chatzais, or Chametz Ravalava Pesach. So, not on Pesach, Chametz on Erev Pesach, after Chatzais, and Chametz Ravalava Pesach, Iver Alav Belav. If you eat it, you've transgressed. You get Malkus. What happens if you eat chametz on purpose on Pesach itself? On Pesach, 
and not only the Asrim and other Minatayra, you also have Karis. So far clear? Say it. So far, so good. Divrei Rabbi Yehuda. So Rabbi Yehuda is telling us that the transgression to eat chametz on Erev Pesach Midai Raisa is not a chiv karis. It's a laugh. It's also Midai Raisa to eat chametz on Erev Pesach. Not a chiv karis though. And chametz Shavlava Pesach is also also Midai Raisa. But you're not going to get karis. That is the pin of Rabbi Yehuda. Top of Amr Beis. Rib Shimon in Aymer. Rib Shimon says, chametz Lefnez manoi ule achars manoi. Chomets on Erev Pesach. And Chomets that was owned and left over after Pesach. Ain't I ever love below Klum? There's no biblical transgression on Erev Pesach Chomets and post Pesach Chomets. But Toyx man, we're going to explain. But Toyx manoi. On Pesach, I agree with Rabbi Yehuda, says Rabbi Shimon, Chiyav Lav and Karis. But again, Rabbi Yehuda was of the opinion it's Asimi Daraisa. And Rabbi Shimon saying no. I shouldn't say. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon is really agreeing, if I, want, if I want to be more specific. Rabbi Shimon's agreeing that it's Asimi Daraisa. Rabbi Shimon's not agreeing that it's a Lav. Okay? Rabbi Shimon. A lav is a negative transgression. Rav Shimon is going to be of the opinion that to, that the chametz beforehand falls under the category of um, It's a positive. It's an assay. But on Erev Pesach, you must remove the 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 sa'ar, the yeast from your home. Rav Shimon is going to hold it's not a lav. It's actually you've transgressed an assay. The Torah gave me a positive commandment to destroy it. You didn't destroy it. You've transgressed biblically as an assay. It's like you didn't put on tefillin. You know? It's like you didn't destroy what I told you to do. But it's not that you've transgressed a lav. The difference is, first of all, the type of Avera. And second of all, that you can get Malchus on a, on a lav. You don't get Malchus on an assay. Okay. So far we have two opinions. Says the Gemara in this opinion, once I can't eat it on Erev Pesach, I'm also not allowed to benefit from it. Now, says the Gemara, this statement of is going on Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. Okay? This that Rabbi Yehuda says, that it's a lav on Erev Pesach and Chamsh of the Pesach. So, it's not only a lav to eat, it's also a lav to benefit. So far we have two opinions, Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Shem. Here's opinion number three. Rabbi Yaisya Glili Aymer. Rabbi Yaisya Glili says, Temei al-atzmecha, hei chametz aser ba'na kol shiva. Says Rabbi Yaisya Glili, I don't know what you're talking about, I don't know where you're coming from, but... Chametz, you can benefit from even on Pesach. You're allowed to benefit from Chametz on Pesach. You're not allowed to eat Chametz, you're allowed to benefit from Chametz on Pesach. Okay. Now, Omenayin, La Eichel Chametz Mishay Shoy Shalmala. 
How do I know on Erev Pesach, a person who eats chametz? Shuaiver believes to say that he transgressed. It says you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't eat chametz at the same time that you shecht the carbon Pesach, which started taking place on Erev Pesach. This is the pin of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says it's a lav to eat chametz on Erev Pesach. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon holds that, that it's not a lav. Can you say it's a lav? Like Rabbi Yehuda already says, you shouldn't eat chametz. Rather, you should eat matzah for the seven days. So, imk matab level leisirchalav chametz. Why is he leisirchalav chametz? That chametz cannot be eaten at the same time as the korban pesach. It means she b'shosh yeshnei b'kom achel matzah. It means that you're not allowed to. Eat. It's a lav to eat chametz at the same time that you're actually eating the matzah with the korban pesach, which is only on pesach itself. Yeshnei b'val toichal chametz u'b'shosh ainu b'kom achel matzah. But if at a time where it's not yet a mitzvah to eat matzah, i.e. Erev Pesach, there's no, we don't even eat, no, but the Minigist and Adi Matzah on Erev Pesach, so it's not included in Bebal Teichal Chomets. Okay, says the Gemara, my time with Reb Yudah, what's the reason for Reb Yehuda who holds uh, that he's going to argue on the opinion of Reb Shimon? He says, because there's actually three Psukim that teach us about the transgression of Chomets. He says, Anything that becomes chametz, you can't eat. You can't eat chametz with your matzah and your carbon pesach. The three layechals is referring to three different time periods. The first layechal is to teach me a lav on Erev Pesach. And one of them is teaching me about chametz over a lav of Pesach. And the third one's letting me know that it's also me daraisa to eat chametz on Pesach alain. So that's Rabbi Yehuda's opinion, and that's why he holds it's a lav on Erev Pesach, on Pesach, after Pesach. Pesach is rather different because there's curries, as opposed to the other two. Okay. He's got three psukim. Good Russia. What's Rabbi Shimon going to do now? Yeah? Rabbi Shimon's, up, uh, Rabbi Shimon's up against the good Raya. So what's he going to do? Rabbi Shimon again said that on Erev Pesach, and after Pesach is not a lav. It's not a negative transgression. For Reb Shimon, what's he going to do with these three psukim? He's going to say, Chad When it says the first layachel, it means on Pesach. V'chol machmetzes, and the pasuk of V'chol machmetzes leisechelu, mi boile lechidetanya is needed for the following halacha, which is that chametz in the yellow shen is chametz me'ilah. I would have thought that the only chametz that is forbidden to eat on Pesach is naturally made chametz. Machmas dover acher minayin. Had I know it's even usher to eat chametz when some when it became chametz through something else. Okay, let's say we know that something becomes chametz from eighteen minutes according to time, nature. But what happens if I would add yeast to my do, to my uh, my flour and my water? You don't have eighteen minutes. You don't have 18 minutes. The same thing would be true, by the way. It's a big, big handle arrive. I don't get into it yet. Imtsachim. Egg matzis. Egg matzis. The minagiz, a healthy person, should not eat egg matzis on Pesach. Why? Because egg matzis are not made with water and flour. They're made either with egg or juice. And who says that you get a full 18 minutes when you add another thing besides for water to your flour? Maybe it becomes chametz a lot faster. And therefore the minigiz, unless a person's ill, 
and they can't eat other matzah to refrain from egg matzah on uh, on chametz itself. Says the Gemara, Machmas Dover Maybe the only time it's also the chametz abezach is a natural chametz. What if it becomes chametz through me adding yeast and it only lasted ten minutes? Maybe it's not allowed. It was ten minutes. Tamur lemar kol machmetzes loisay chelu. All machmetzes you may not eat. Anyway, it became chametz. La yachal chametz boilel chetanya. And what about la yachal chametz? We need that for the following brayser. Rabbi Yisrael Gili Omer. Rabbi Yisrael Gili says, "Minayin lePesach Mitzrayim had I know that Pesach that night, the first Pesach that we ever had in Mitzrayim she'ein chimutzay naigal yaymechod." That they were only prohibited to eat chametz on the fifteenth day of Nisan, but afterwards they were allowed. Today it goes out. You know why it says chametz? Not to teach us any halachas for today's day and age. Rather, it's to teach me halacha unique to the night of Yitzias Mitzrayim. Okay, so Rabbi Shimon just wiggled his way out of Rabbi Yehuda's uh, proofs from his three verses, and he, brought, and, he, and he said, you know, I've got other reasons why those psukim are there, it's not, and therefore I, I hold that it's not a lav on Erev Pesach Tid Chametz, and it's not a lav after Pesach Tid Chametz. I, what I do to psukim, I have other limudim. The Rabbi Yehuda. And according to Rabbi Yehuda, he's got a problem now. Because Rabbi Shimon used the psukim not to teach me Erev Pesach and after Pesach. But it's coming to teach me that you can make chametz with, something could become chametz uh, faster with a davar acher, with something else besides for just flour and water. And to teach me also the halacha of uh, the night of Mitzrayim, it was only one day. So how does Rabbi Yehuda know those halachas? Rabbi Yehuda, machmas davar acher what's going to be his source that it's usher to have chametz on Pesach even if it doesn't become chametz naturally? Says the Gemara, since the Torah uses the word machmetzes, okay, machmetzes means seems to imply anything that becomes chametz. Rashi explains, even with other things mixed into it. And where's um, and uh, how does he know uh, the halacha of Rabbi Yaisi Aglili? Either from the uh, extra smicha of Hayyim today, which means only. On this day that you left Mitzrayim, again, Rabbi Yisrael was of the opinion that the first Pesach that we ever had was only one day of Yisr Chametz. So, either he'll learn it out from the word Hayyim, or Smuchin like Darish. We'll say that either way, he doesn't Darshan Smuchin in the Torah, and he's arguing on Rabbi Yisrael he doesn't necessarily agree with that halacha, and he'll actually say, no, you're getting your facts wrong. In Mitzrayim, they had Chametz, they, they, uh, they, they were not allowed to eat Chametz for seven days. Period. Okay. So, we have a three-way machlaikas, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Yisegli, the Amar Mar, the Tana taught us. How do we know that if a person eats chametz on Erev Pesach after Chatzais? That you've transgressed a laisase, a love. A negative transgression. Shenemar says the You should not eat chametz with the carbon pesach. A love means on it with the carbon pesach. The carbon pesach again was shechted after chatzois on erev pesach. Whenever you have the carbon pesach, you're not allowed to have chametz anywhere near it. 
Divrei Rabbi Yehuda. Amalei Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon says to Rabbi Yehuda, again, remember Rabbi Shimon did not hold there was a love on Erev Pesach. Amalei Rabbi Shimon. How can you say such a thing? How can you use this verse to tell me it's a love? But like Varnamar, we already said in the Pusik, that Chomets is only a love at the same time that we eat matzah. We don't eat matzah on Erev Pesach. So when is it a love to have Chomets? Shivas Yomim, of Matzis. At the same time, there's a mitzvah of Matzis. So what are you talking about, Rabbi Yehuda? That Chomitz is a love prior to the Zman Matzah? Not possible. You're arguing on a Beferishnik Apostok, an explicit verse. For Rabbi Yehuda. And what's Rabbi Yehuda going to do now? Shimon's got a good question. How's Rabbi Yehuda going to wiggle out of this one? Says Gemara, I'll tell you, Rebuta Amalach, Rebuta is going to say, That Pasuk of is letting us know that there's a Chi of Matzah even when there's no carbon Pesach around. Meaning, nowadays, in Tavshim Peyalf, the Rebbe Shimon, and Rebbe Shimon who used the Pasuk. To um, to uh, tell me that it's only a lav at the same time they eat the matzah, the kaver chavmanali. How does he know nowadays there's a chi of matzah even when there's no carbon pesach? In the evening you gotta eat matzah. Only that evening? No, every every evening of pesach, and that's how I know for all generations that we got we got eat matzah. Rebbe says no. The be'erev taichlu is coming to teach me. The halacha that even somebody who was tamei and was not allowed to eat from the carbon pesach should still eat matzah. Or a person was traveling and he didn't have a carbon pesach to bring. He got he was Isaac b'mitzvah, right? I don't know. He went to redeem somebody from captivity. He wasn't able to be in Rishlaim by carbon pesach. Does he need to eat matzah at the pesach seder that night? He doesn't have a carbon pesach. Yeah. Because it says, So, he doesn't have a carbon Pesach with him. Matzumar, so Matzumar, you shouldn't eat. Kamash Malon, comes to let, says the Pesach, that you're even supposed to eat. You speak, you're even supposed to eat Matzah and Marar if you're in a predicament where there's no Pesach, there's no carbon Pesach around. Okay, so now what's Rav Shimon? How does Rav Shimon know that somebody who wasn't able to bring a carbon pesach should still eat chum, should still eat matzah amar? For Rav Shimon, he says, "Not only the pasuk telling me that if you're traveling or you're not part of you're not in Rishalayim that you still need to eat matzah. I don't need a verse for that. Why? The you're no worse than somebody who never had a bris mila." Says Rashi. There's a fascinating type of yid. There's a halacha. If a baby boy is born to a family and they do a bris milah and the baby dies, another baby boy is born to the family. They do a bris milah. The baby dies. Any further boys should not have a bris milah. That child should remain an arul. 
you obviously see after two children, there's a danger in the family. Okay? Now, the halacha is, an orel is not allowed to eat from the carbon Pesach. However, he's still mechoyiv to eat matzah. Says Reb Shimon, the same way an orel, who lifetime is going to be eating matzah and mar, and not eating, and not eating the carbon Pesach, so too, somebody who's traveling and has a bris milah and can't make it to Shalayim for whatever reason should also eat matzah and mar. You're not even an aro. You have a bris milah. If an aro could do it, he could do it. Ubenechar. Or a benechar. Okay? A benechar is somebody who doesn't keep Tyra and mitzvahs. So also, he wasn't allowed to be included with the carbon Pesach, but he still had a mitzvah of, of, uh, of matzah he should take part in From that pasuk, I'll know according to logic, according to Sparah, if an Arl could do it, then the traveler could do it. Now here's the problem, because Rabbi Yehuda needed a specific verse to tell me that a traveler is allowed to eat. Rabbi Shimon just learned it out from logic. So why didn't Rabbi Yehuda use logic as well? For Rabbi Yehuda, Ksiv Bahai, Uksiv Bahai. He says that the only reason why an Arel and a Benechar are allowed to eat is because, um, is because the Pasuk told me it was allowed. But if the Torah ever leaves it out, then you actually cannot learn out that it's permitted through Svara and Mamela, I need a Pasuk. Okay, bottom line is we've now, uh, we've now established. Um, the opinions of Rabbi Yehuda, we established the opinion of Rabbi Shimon, and we established the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi Haglili. So now we're going back to the beginning of the Gemara. And what's the beginning of the Gemara? We're one line, two, the last one, the second line at the bottom, and that is, so who is the Tana of our Mishnah? That was the beginning question on the bottom of Amad Aleph. Remember we said, we quoted a Mishnah on the bottom of Chav Ches Amad Aleph. We said, oh, it, what, what was the mission on the bottom? What was the a short mission? We said chametz of a guy that's that that went over. If, if a guy owns chametz on Pesach, you're allowed to benefit. If a yid owns, you're not allowed to benefit from it. And then the Gemara started out and said, "Who's our Mishnah? It's not Reb Yehuda. It's not Reb Shimon, and not basically. And what we just did for the past Amud plus is explain what these three opinions are, and now. Um, the, we'll pick up from here tomorrow. We're up to the bottom line. Now the Gemara is going to get into, okay, so now that you told me, and we clarified the three opinions, so let's see which one of these three, if any, are Shaykh to be the Tana of our Mishnah, or are we going to need to find a different Tana to be our author? And Be'ez Hashem will pick up here the last word on the second to last line on Chafches, on Be'ez, tomorrow morning in Mirz Hashem.